0: morning again, and thank you, Heather. If you have a Bible, could I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, page 972, for the last time, or at least the last time for now. And as you look that up, let me uh, show you a selection of so-called words to live by. Quotes, thoughts, short phrases that encourage, inspire, and motivate Lots of people, they come from a variety of sources, some we'll have heard before, all of them make a lot of sense. Here we go. Too many people undervalue what they are and overvalue what they're not. Be pretty if you can, be witty if you must, be gracious if it kills you. Create a life that feels good on the inside, not one that just looks good on the outside life is simple when you live simply do you're not rich until you have something that money can't buy do not educate your child to be rich educate him to be happy so when he grows up he'll know the value of things not the price and then maybe my favorite Never argue with stupid people. They will drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. (laughs) Words to live by. See, if you type that into Google and other search engines that are available, but if you (laughs) type that, you'll read any number of these words to live by, and they are good. They are arresting. They kind of grab your attention. Why? Well, that's because words have power. And growing up, many of us will have heard words and phrases said to us and said about us from family, from friends, from teachers and others that have registered with us. They've lodged with us and we've never forgotten them. Some of those are positive words and phrases and we recall them with affection, with gratitude But also there are less helpful ones. Words like, you'll never be good enough. And those kind of words can influence us more than we think and dictate more than we often realize. Words have power. They instruct. They influence. They help to shape and define us. In fact, you can build a life on them words to live by or not. After five months we have reached the final installment of our World Changer series. I hope you found it helpful and challenging and I want to thank everyone who shared their feedback last Sunday morning. I've really enjoyed preparing this series And at a personal level, it's been so good to spend 20 weeks immersed in the Sermon on the Mount. And as we bring this series to an end, the reason I've kind of started like this is because Jesus ends this infamous sermon by talking about words, their importance, and how we can and should construct a life on them. Here at the end of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, here at the end of this world and this life-changing speech, Jesus shares a final word about words. And therefore, what I want us to do is I want us to stand together and listen to what feels like a kind of benediction, a closing word. But again, let me stress, it's a closing word about words. So, please, let's stand together and hear the public reading of God's word. Therefore, says Jesus, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because Jesus taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Please take a seat. I, uh, I remember singing about this in Sunday school. We kind of sang one of those, like how long is it since you sang that song, Don't Build Your House in the Sandy ground." But I can remember, you know the other one? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Many people can remember singing that. And you know that bit where, it, what was it? Uh, and the rains came down and the floods did what? Oh, come on, get into it a bit more than that. The rains came down and the floods came brilliant great right (laughs) not a great song (laughs) but the thing is I've no doubt that these words at the end of Matthew 7 are familiar to probably every single person sitting in this room this morning they're pretty straightforward they're not that complicated and as I've kind of thought and prayed about this morning one of my key concerns is that I would stick to these words that I would not get in the way of them this morning, that I'd not try to over-analyze them. See, right at the end of this sermon, we are confronted with words that stress the importance of words, or rather stress the importance of what we do with words, but not just with any words. And here's where everything changes and shifts because the critical issue at stake now is what are we going to do with Jesus' words? And as we reach the end of this series, here is the big challenge. Here is the ultimate challenge. What are you and I going to do with Jesus' words? And we're going to do one of two things. Either you can hear them and put them into practice or you can hear them And that's it you just hear them and depending on what we do will determine who we're like either a wise or foolish builder depending on what we do will determine what we're building our lives on either rock or sand and determining on what we do with them will dictate the stability of our lives whether the inevitable storms, when they blow up, including the perfect storm, well, our lives will just come crashing down around us. Therefore, says Jesus, everyone who hears these words of mine, every disciple, Every eavesdropper in that original crowd who were amazed at the teaching of Jesus we just heard, every single person. So every disciple, every eavesdropper, every one of us who has engaged and listened to the teaching of Jesus during this series, everyone. Who hears these words of mine, says Jesus, now that doesn't just refer to the previous verse, it doesn't just refer to the previous few verses, it refers to the whole sermon on the mount, beginning at Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Everyone says Jesus, who hears all these words of mine, and, and now it's time to kind of get the megaphone out, because I kind of want to scream these next through five words at the top of my lungs I, I really do i was trying to get the hold of a megaphone this way couldn't find one but i would just love to scream these next five words at the top of my lungs therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice if you're the sort of person who kind of underlines things Underline those words. If you're the sort of person who just needs one phrase from a sermon to just take away and chew over and reflect on, and you kind of want to forget everything else that the bloke at the front has said, just take those five words and puts them into practice. And then Jesus does go on and describe the kind of people who do this, and we'll get there in a minute. But you see, the point is, hearing is not enough. Hearing is never enough when it comes to Jesus. It is an option. I mean, you can do it and leave it at that. You can even like what you hear. You can admire what you hear. You can even believe what you hear. But if we're going to walk this narrow road, if we're going to produce good fruit, if we're going to embrace and reflect the values of his kingdom, this alternative, upside-down, counter-cultural kingdom that Jesus calls us to be part of and calls us to help bring to earth as it is in heaven. If we're going to be salt, if we're going to be light, then we've got to move simply beyond hearing. And we've got to put these words into practice. Hear and obey. Listen, says Jesus, and do. Later on in the New Testament, the Apostle James says a very similar thing regarding the word. Do not merely listen to the word, he says, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Hearing and obeying is the critical component to kingdom living. Listening to and then living it is the choice and challenge we face. You know, we can spend a fair amount of time paying attention to what Jesus says. And I hope we've done that. We can think about it. We can discuss it. We can talk about it. But the big issue is, are we going to act on his words? Are we going to act on these words? Are we going to practice them in the everyday and therefore allow them to form and establish a bedrock in our lives? Michael Green uh, is a name maybe known to a number of you. Fairly prominent voice and leader in the later part of the 20th century. He was a pastor, an author, a lecturer, a writer. And in his brilliant commentary on Matthew, which is part of the Bible Speaks Today series, and I know lots of you use these, he writes this. It's a reasonably long quote, but I believe it's worth sharing and repeating. Here's what he says. So, we must build on the rock high. We must hear and obey. Not just hear, but obey. The theological and religious world is full of hearing. It's overloaded with God talk. What will thrill the heart of God and make the pagans realize that the gospel is true is practical, generous obedience. Obedience that transforms characters, that's Matthew 5, 11, and 12. Obedience that influences our, our affects our influence, that's 5, 13, and 16. Obedience that shows itself in practical righteousness, that's Matthew 5, 17 to 48. Obedience that touches our devotional life, that's Matthew 6, 1 to 18. Obedience that radically alters our ambitions, that's Matthew 6, 19 to 34. Obedience that shows we're servants of the king, that's Matthew 7, 13 to 27. This is what Jesus is looking for. This is the mark of the disciples he calls. This is the kingdom manifesto detailed with immense authority at the outset of his public ministry. It's about hearing, yes, but then obeying, doing, living it. In week one of this series, which was back in the 27th of October, uh, I shared two different quotes that make a similar point. Martin Lloyd-Jones, here's the life to which we're called. I am maintain... If only every Christian in the church today, and it's this bit, were living the Sermon on the Mount, then the great revival for which we are praying and longing could already have started. Amazing and astounding things would happen. The world would be shocked and men and women would be attracted to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we are living it, not just hearing it, not just believing it, Or as John Stott famously said, if the church realistically accepted Jesus' standards and values as set forth in this sermon and lived by them, it would be the alternative society Jesus has always intended it to be and would offer the world an authentic Christian counterculture, hearing and doing, listening and living. Or to emphasize something we've highlighted before, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Right belief and right practice. Do you know, it is important what we believe. Please hear me in this this morning. I don't want anybody to go away and say, well, hang on a minute, he is slightly dodgy, right? It is really, really important what we believe, but it's critical we live it out. It's critical we live it out. And this came up uh, recently whenever we reflected again on the Good Samaritan, where the teacher, the expert of the law comes to Jesus and he wants to know, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? And he actually believed that the most important thing in life was to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That was a right belief. And Jesus affirmed that right belief in this teacher or this expert in the law. But what did Jesus immediately say to him after he affirmed this right belief? He said, Okay, go and do this, and you will inherit eternal life. Go do it. Not enough just to believe it, you've got to go and live this out. Love God with your heart, soul, strength and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. The expert in the law kind of got it. But he was still a bit unsure about the identity of his neighbor. And so Jesus told that rather provocative little tale about the good Samaritan. And then it ended up with Jesus saying what to him? Go and do likewise. It's about belief and behavior. It's about head. It's about heart. It's about hands. It's about hearing and doing, listening and living. It's about orthodoxy. It's about that journey, actually, from orthodoxy, right belief to orthopraxy, right practice. Back to Matthew 7, at the end of this sermon, Jesus lays down this relatively clear challenge. Are we going to hear these words and do them? Are we going to put them into practice? Are we going to go into our rooms and pray in private? And when we do, are we going to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, etc., etc.? Are we going to love our enemies? Are we going to store up treasure in heaven? Are we going to stop judging others? Are we going to make sure that our yes is yes and our no is no? Are we going to turn the other cheek? Are we going to go the extra mile? Are we going to enter through the narrow gate? And walk the way of the cross. Or are we going to hear these words and. Leave it at that. Just hear. Admire from a distance. But please be clear on something. Doing what Jesus says or not doing it. Hearing what Jesus says and not putting it into practice. This is what makes the difference between a house that stays standing in a storm and a house that comes crashing down around you. It is our life. It is. And so in some ways, every single one of us has to choose what are the words we're going to live by. Whose words are we going to live by? The wise man hears and heeds. The fool simply hears. I find it interesting that that both houses experience exactly the same weather conditions. Just because you're wise, just because you've chosen to build your life on the words and teaching of Jesus, doesn't mean that you're immune from downpours, rising rivers strong winds or from taking a beating both houses both types of people both kinds of lives are subject to the harsh realities of the elements the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous to quote Jesus earlier in this sermon but it also pours like mad on every single human being here's the difference the life built on rock the life that's built on hearing and applying the words of Jesus has an inevitably stronger foundation that offers hope and stability and strength in the midst of the inevitable storms of life. What words are you going to live by? What words am I going to live by? Whose words am I going to build my life on? They are this important, and without being over dramatic, it is actually the difference between survival and destruction. It's actually the difference between standing and falling. And so we as a church have heard and listened to these words for five months now. Five months. And as we finish this series, the question is, what are we going to do with them? What kind of foundation are we going to lay in our individual and in our corporate lives from here on in? What's our response going to be to this world-changing and life-changing speech? In the very first book of the Old Testament, God speaks creation into existence. God words bring life. In the very first book of the New Testament, we have listened as Jesus speaks a new people into existence. A kingdom people. A new community of the called and the blessed the salt of the earth and the light of the world and we have listened hopefully intently as Jesus has spoken words telling us what life in this alternative kingdom is like in the here and now and therefore as we reach the end of what he's got to say for now the challenge is this are we gonna live this are we going to not just hear this but are we going to put it into practice are we going to be wise and follow it through here and heed are we going to accept and live by these words, or not? And I was thinking of why, why sometimes do we struggle with this? Why, why might we not do this? And I think there are lots of reasons. Let me give you two. One is that we are surrounded by so many competing voices and different words, voices and words which clash with Jesus, which tell us, "Listen, it's okay to lust. It's okay to get angry." It's okay to withhold forgiveness. It's okay to hold a grudge. It's okay to seek revenge. It's okay to accumulate a whole pile of stuff on earth. It's okay to judge. It's okay to lie. It's okay to stick with the broad road. It's madness to turn the other cheek and go the extra yard, never mind the extra mile. We have heard and we hear so much said by so many others. And Jesus tells us something radically different, but the problem is Jesus' voice just gets drowned out or written off. Because it's nonsense to so many people. Live this way is crazy. And my hope and prayer is that although this series might be finished, we will keep these words, his words, in constant playback. And the second problem is, and, and maybe this is just me, the second problem is you see i don't think i've got what it takes to live this life i don't think i've got what it takes to put these words into practice hearing i can do even believing i can do it's the doing what i hear is the tough bit And whenever I read words to quote a few more from this sermon, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, it just ramps up the tension for me. But it's then that I've got to realize that it's not simply about what I do. It's about this inside out transformation that Jesus does, the heart of of the matter is a matter of the heart a phrase we've kept and we'll keep repeating jesus comes to change us from the inside out and by his holy spirit he now lives within us and will be with us to the very end of the age and therefore it's not about whether i can live this life i know i can because of jesus I know I can because he lives within me, dwells within me. We've looked at this by his Holy Spirit. And that's why I need to keep asking for more. I need to keep seeking after. I need to keep knocking the door down to get more of the Holy Spirit in my life to enable me because he's the one who empowers me to live this life. We have everything we need. Every single Christian in this room this morning has everything you need to live this life to put these words into practice we have everything we need for all godliness but we've choices to make and i strongly believe this and i'm passionate about this but i believe we have choices to make we can be a christian and not live this we've choices to make with decisions to take i hear this and i put it into practice And I'm like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. Or I hear this and I don't put it into practice. And I don't love my enemies. And I don't forgive. And I don't walk the extra mile. And I don't turn my other cheek. I can do this. I can simply hear it and leave it at that. I can believe it. I know we're so good at believing But unless it impacts my behavior, I'm not sure there's any point in believing it. And there is a sense as we come to the end this morning that this this requires a response. And therefore, as we close this morning, and as we close this series, I do want to give us as a church an opportunity to mark this moment. And we're going to sing a song to finish, Lord, you have my heart, and I'll search for yours. And it's a song that talks about, let me be to you a sacrifice, and I will praise you, Lord. And It is a song of commitment and intention. And we're going to remain seated as, as we sing it through a first time. But if, and, and I know this, this kind of is outside some people's comfort zones and Hey ho! <laughs> I know it says outside some people's conversations, but the second time we sing this through, if you've kind of heard these words of Jesus over the past five months, maybe you've only been here for a few weeks. That's okay. But if you've heard these words, and it is your desire—know you what I'm saying? It's your desire, it's your heart's desire—to not just hear them, but to actually put them into practice, to live them in the everyday then whenever we come to sing this song through the second time, I'm just going to invite you to stand. Just to mark this moment, to mark the end of the series, to say, yeah, Jesus, I've heard these words, and I want to put them into practice. I don't want anybody to feel under pressure to do something they don't want to do. I just want to give an opportunity to mark it. So we're going to remain seated as we sing it through the first time. And if you do want to kind of put a bit of a marker down this morning, then I invite you to stand as we sing it through the second time.